0: Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast.
1: There's a high likelihood that in your career, you will hear that word or that phrase that you're not technical enough, but you need to pull yourself back up and show them that you are. Because regardless of what they say, you are technical, you wouldn't be in this position and have gotten this job if you weren't. And I think that they need to know that they're not alone and that we hear you and that
0: whatever happens is gonna happen regardless. It's time for Women Who Code Conversations, a segment to hear from top technology professionals sitting down with a Women Who Code member to discuss real-world experiences in the industry, what they've learned over the course of their career, and what they think is coming next for tech.
2: Hello, I'm Camille Clayton. I'm a director of Women Who Code's DC chapter, and I'm pleased to introduce Sarah Jacks, our guest on our podcast today. Sarah is a manager at Capital One who works to architect reliable solutions for customers and employees alike. She's passionate about mentorship and helping others to realize their full potential. She hails from a small town in Louisiana where coding wasn't even on her radar until college where she found her growing passion for computer science. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Sarah.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited uh, to have this conversation with you.
2: Well, our first question today, how did you get into tech? Could you walk us through your journey?
1: Yeah, of course. So like you said in the intro, I actually didn't get into tech until college. So growing up, my parents are both pharmacists and in small town, Louisiana, Mm -hmm. the extent of technology that we knew was IT work. So, you know, um, customer service type things, helping troubleshoot computers and things like that. So that's how I went into college. My freshman year roommate was actually a CS major, and that's when I started learning more. So I started going to club meetings with her, started getting interested in front-end development, which I feel like most, you know, people start getting into because they can see it. It's tangible. And I thought, this is really cool. My sophomore year, I actually took a class. So all engineer majors, which I was undeclared engineering at the time, Mm required to take a CS class. So I was taking a MATLAB-based class with all engineers and I remember distinctly sitting in the hallway one day doing the next homework assignment that was due between classes and the assignment itself was something simple like getting numbers to go form a box in increasing order. And as soon as it happened on my screen, that moment I knew that I was going to be a computer scientist. At the time, I was still, you know, considering engineering or maybe going and becoming a doctor, things like that. But I knew that tech had a role in my life. After that, I got my way into the CS career um, at Georgia Tech, which is where I went Mm -hmm. to college. And eventually, I got an internship at Capital One. So Capital One was actually my bank. That's kind of how I interviewed at places. I was like, oh. Verizon is my telephone company and Capital One is my bank. So I'm going to just go apply at Capital One. Um, And I ended up getting an interview. Um, And, you know, I was just starting my data structures class. I was so nervous, Um, but I ended up getting it and moving to McLean, Virginia, which is in the Northern Virginia, right outside of DC area. And I loved it. It was fantastic. So I got a return offer and that's how I ended up here at Capital One. It was my first real tech job, but now that I'm in the career and talking to my friends who are in this, I know this is like the place to be. And then at Capital One, I worked in various teams uh, in the credit card space, which is where I've been, I am now from acquisitions of new credit card customers to their actual management once they become customers.
2: What's so- up? And going back to those early days, were there any challenges that you faced that you'd want to share?
1: Sure, and there, there definitely were a ton of challenges. Like I said, coming from that space where technology is not really known for the majority of the population, getting my family and friends on board was a little tough. I had people talking to me about, why would you do this? You're so fantastic at mathematics and things like that. You're suitable for an engineering role. Why would you go into this? And their mindset, it was more of an IT role where I would be talking to individuals more every day than I would be necessarily like going through problem-solving sets and things like that. Um, In addition to that, I was a valedictorian in my high school. So I had these really, really high expectations on my shoulders from everyone Mm -hmm. that they didn't feel that would fit what they were assuming I was going to be. And then after a while, once they saw the things that I was doing and the amount of math classes I actually had to take to become a computer scientist, they started understanding more that it's not just what you know, it's also more complicated. And, you know, some of these things you need a PhD to get into, like AI, things like that, right? It's more complicated in their mind now. And then on top of that, you know, I still do get you know, questions about how do I fix printers and things like that. I feel like every computer scientist does. There's never that full degree, but I can now show, especially with my work at Capital One, an application, like on my phone, and be like, you see this app right here? I coded this portion here, and then that's, that's when they start understanding more and how amazing it is. A challenge that I wanted to share from work in particular is growing up, and through college up until my senior year, I was introverted and just shy. I hated getting up, presenting. Something like this actually would have scared me to death. I would have been shaking talking. It would have been horrible. But after my internship, I realized the only way that you're going to be able to get really ahead in the workplace was to push yourself past your comfort zone and be able to talk and voice your opinion, which is something I teach everyone who I mentor or I'm a, who report to me now. So that was really hard for me, going from a place where I couldn't stand up in front of a room to talk to people to one where I had to actually interject into conversations and actually get the point across. Um, so that was so hard. Another one that I think that will relate to a lot of women in their technical careers is once you're to that point where you can voice your opinions, having your thoughts and opinions questioned. For example, one of my coworkers come to me and ask me a question and I'd answer it to the best of my ability. And most times I know I was correct. It was basically a factual question. Um, The next thing you know, you hear the same person going to another coworker who's maybe older than you asking the same question. And it wasn't necessarily always that I was describing it incorrectly, things like that. Mm -hmm. But it's something definitely I feel like a lot of people in tech, especially the younger people or maybe women, have to get past because that's a challenge that I've had to definitely I still have to face in my career these days. So, yeah, I think those are some of the challenges that I had.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, Thinking about challenges... Uh, how so many of them become milestones? Are there any favorite moments in your career you'd want to share? Any highlights?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, one of the ones that sticks out to me in particular is through Georgia Tech and also now through Capital One was this program of going to underprivileged schools and teaching mm-hmm. them uh, coding. So, like I said, down south, like in Louisiana, they didn't have coding, it wasn't like something mm-hmm. that we were taught. Um, I know some of the schools up here in the Northern Virginia area are starting to teach kids that, which is fantastic. But I went to these schools and were teaching these kids how to build Lego robots, which was awesome. Just the look on their face when they got it working and how excited they were to show their friends. It was fantastic. And that was definitely one of the highlights is to see not only the different people who are involved in computer science, but also helping bring that to them. So that was fantastic in my experience. And then I attended uh, Grace Hopper through work. That is one of my all-time favorite conferences. I just love the ability to go into the different breakout sessions and the lectures and just learn. That's honestly my favorite part. And I get so giddy, especially this year when they were recorded um, virtually, uh, I could go back and listen to them and, you know, learn and bring it back to my team. And I think that that's one of the the coolest parts, too, about having a career in tech is the opportunities to go to these conferences and the continuous learning you get to see.
2: Definitely. Conferences are some of my favorite moments. Well, uh, I I understand this, uh, that you've recently moved uh, from being an individual contributor, and you've switched over to being a full-time manager of an engineering team. How has that change been?
1: It's definitely been a change, tough in some areas, but fulfilling in others. I first knew when I came to Capital One, my first year I was going to be a manager. I had different experiences obviously coming in. It's going to take you a bunch of years to become a manager. You're never going to get thrown as one. In some other careers you can probably get there in a couple of years, but you know, tech is a little different. And I remember my manager at the time questioning, "Why would you want to be a manager? You are so good at math. You are great. Technically, why would you do this? And I have a specific example that I always tell when people ask me that question, because it does come up. Why would you do that? Especially with the lack of women in individual contributor roles too. I think it brings up this question a lot as well. So in my role, my first year, I was one of two associates on the team. The rest were contractors. For those who don't know there tends to be certain divide between contractors and associates especially when it comes to what you can offer contractors just legally which is something i didn't know when i uh joined because it's it's a brand new concept right we're coming from college you don't have this contractor like thing that goes on you're just people who are studying so we were there and the first day I ate lunch with my coworkers who were all contractors and it continued like that. And then I started to see that the associates on the other associates on my team and the other teams around me would go eat lunch themselves and the contractors would eat lunch themselves plus me. So I decided I didn't like that very much. It didn't make sense. So I started these team building events with contractors and associates Things that they could both contribute to and participate in, maybe going to lunch where we each pay for our own food, but we go together and eat. So we try, for example, different Indian buffets in the Northern Virginia region. Uh, Well, one day coming home from one of the restaurants or back to work, one of the contractors turned to me and said, "You know, you're the reason I like coming into work now. I enjoy coming to work because before it was hard. We didn't have any like cohesion in the team, nothing. But now." I feel like I'm connected, so that just touched my heart, and I knew that's what I was going to chase for the rest of my career is the feeling of having the people find their place at work, whether it be inclusion in such as this or maybe, you know, what they want to do with their life. So one of the interns I had last summer thought they wanted to do machine learning, and it's a little different in enterprise than what it is in school. So we discussed the the path. He talked to people um, and I tried to find as much as I could on what happened at, say, Capital One. Eventually he comes to me and goes, I don't know if this is what I want to do coming out of college. And I told him that's perfect. And that's what I was hoping for for you. Um, And it's just things like that, that I didn't necessarily have coming in that I Mm -hmm. would love to see other people do.
2: I really appreciate that. It seems like you've you've definitely seen the value of what one person can achieve and make impact on and you talked a bit about mentorship earlier on and i was wondering how that's uh, how all those skills have helped you become a leader
1: oh yeah so mentorship is one of my biggest passions and i tend to ramble on and on about it but i've seen different styles of mentorship in my time at Capital One. New people entering the company sometimes don't get the support they need and they struggle. Sometimes on a team, it's you work in silos because you don't really have that cohesion that mentorship can bring. Um, I think definitely my thoughts on mentorship have helped my leadership goals and that I've helped so many people. Generally on the younger side, generally it happens to be women in tech, um, just how it It happened. We had a team that was mostly women except for one male, which was uncommon in enterprise, but fantastic to actually be able to experience. And it's made me open to be available for questions. I think one of the most common things I hear from my mentees is that, oh, I," or even people on my team, I didn't want to ask you and bother you. No, you're not going to bother me ask your question. I would rather you ask me than sit down and like stare at the screen for five hours because that's how they learn. Not everything that I know came from me reading something on my computer, right? You can't Google everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what I am going to bring to my leadership in the future is wanting to be always available for questions and being someone they can talk to. I've seen it in my, when talking to my leaders, the higher you get, the less likely people are to talk to you. And I never want to be in that position. I want people to always feel like whatever they say to me is, is important to me, yeah. regardless of if they're scared or not. So, and, and that's, that's kind of what I look forward to the future. And I think mentorship was a, a big portion of why I, I find those things valuable.
2: Definitely. Um, with that, like you've, you've talked about sort of those team building exercises, Um, And now that you're uh, in that full-time manager position, uh, what's what's bringing you into the office? What makes your current workplace special?
1: So right now at Capital One, we're still kind of remote, going to hybrid soon. What's going to bring me into the office is definitely that person-to-person interaction that you see. So I've made lots of friends over my five years at Capital One, people who I enjoy talking to, people who... We used to, one of my friends used to go on walks with me, you know, just to take a mental break. You sit at your desk all day, you get up to go to the bathroom and maybe that's it you do all day. So we would take mental breaks. We would discuss things that happened during the day, maybe get, you know, help on what architectural decisions we were doing. This woman was fantastic and she was pregnant at the time. I remember specifically, so she went to walk a lot. So we just took that time to discuss what was going on with the team. And I think that, that things like that, you don't really get at home. You may have Zoom calls, which I love. And I don't think detracts from the, mm-hmm. the type of personal relationship that people have. It's just different. So I think it will kind of force these relationships again that I really enjoy and will help me get back into the zone with some of those people. Because I'm not talking to the same people. I think the remote mm-hmm. work, you can talk to people, but they generally are people on your team. They're not going to be people who you happen to pass by at the desk. And I think Capital One has that too, where we have you know, events to bring people together. Mm-hmm. We have holiday parties and just fun events for the team. I know my team is going to a, a Nats game. That's what I, I think is special. And just, I know people say the culture of their company is fantastic. I think that's every, every person's going to tell you that. But I think every person who you ask at Capital One believes that. We feel at home. I try to, you know, get to know my coworkers and kind of have a little family. You know, you spend most of your day with these people. There's no reason to to not. So I think that's what makes me go into the office.
2: Very cool. Well, uh, in Switch and Focus, what then gives you energy outside of work? What makes you happy?
1: Yeah, I do so much outside of work. So mainly it's something on the creative side with my crafts. So I sew, I crochet, basically any craft that you can think of, I do. So I tend to do that uh, while watching TV or whatever. Um, Another thing that's kind of new to me is I moderate for Twitch streamer, love her to death. So I'm so proud to be able to do that and get to see the other side of the fence. I also love to learn. So depending on what my team's doing or something that I find interesting for the day, I might you know, crack open like O'Reilly books online and find a textbook to read or go to educative and just start learning. I love that. Right now I'm planning a wedding. So I've been reading up books on uh, event planning and wedding planning. So that's what I tend to do. I never shy away f- from a book that can be read, whether it be for work or not. Um, and I love doing anything creative, basically. Awesome.
2: Well, uh, as we get close to the end, are there any tips you'd want to share uh, with other women in tech?
1: Yes, definitely. I've actually, one thing comes to mind that I've actually had to share with a lot of my mentees um, because it's happened to them. It's happened to me. Coming in, I, I didn't have a female mentor. My only mentor was a male, so he didn't really get to experience this, but I did. So mm-hmm. one of my managers, he was relatively new. He, we had my interview performance and I see on there for the first time, it was about two years into my career that I was not technical enough. And I sat in performance management and listened to him tell me all the reasons why he felt that I could be more technical. And I let that shut me down. It, it took me by surprise. It was the end of December or the beginning of December, I remember. And I just couldn't get the motivation to be doing as much as I had done. It, 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 it hurt a lot. And I recently found out after one of my mentees had the same thing happen and in talking to other women in my position that this is not uncommon for women to hear, especially if you've pushed yourself to become outgoing and things like I mentioned that I've, purposefully done. If you're able to hold a conversation or anything like that, sometimes you get stuff like this. And one of the people I know actually moved out of tech. And I've heard that that's very common. And I've seen it, that moving career goals because someone has told you that you're not technical enough is not uncommon. And I think the thing that I want to tell people is that you might hear that there's a high likelihood that in your career, you will hear that word. Or that phrase that you're not technical enough, but you need to pull yourself back up and show them that you are because regardless of what they say, you are technical, you wouldn't be in this position and have gotten this job if you weren't. And I think that they need to know that they're not alone and that we hear you and that whatever happens is going to happen regardless and that they've got this. Um, And I would have really appreciated that because it took me a couple months to get out of that funk that I was in. And I actually reached out to one of my friend's moms, who is a manager in tech, who actually was telling me this. And that's finally what pulled me out was like, oh, wow, I'm, it's not just me. Okay. Like, that makes sense. (laughs) So yeah, I I think that that would be the thing I want people to know is don't be afraid of those words. Just use them to fuel your fire.
2: Fuel your fire. Yeah. Thank you so much for those inspiring words. Is there anything you'd like to plug or share before we leave today?
1: Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to look me up, my name's Sarah Jacks. Uh, you can find me there. That's mainly it. I do have socials, but I don't use them that much other than to follow people who craft.
0: Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, WomenWhoCode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WomenWhoCode. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com/womenwhocode. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment